Hello and welcome to episode 229 of the VegGrab podcast. Today is the 15th of July 2019. Now, normally I'm the only host on this, my name's Richard, but today I have a co-host and fellow podcaster, and that is... Hello, I'm Sarah Wilson, and I'm the host of the Roots and All podcast. The Roots and All podcast is one I've been listening to, I think, pretty much from episode one, and it's a very, very good podcast, but for those who don't know it, what's it all about? Well, thank you very much. Um, it is it's tended towards, nowadays, um, very much kind of wildlife gardening and, and vegan gardening. Fantastic, and it's well worth a listen. But we'll get into that a bit further on, and you're going to be talking to us about vegan gardening as well. Before that, let's find out what I've been up to over this last week in the diary section. Well, it is Thursday, the 11th of July, 2019 today. It's about 20 past nine in the evening. I am at home in my garden, just... uh, enjoying the evening and all the birds that are flying around and going back to roost I think is what they're doing. You can probably hear them in the background. Now I'm going to start with a bit of an update from yesterday because there's a couple of things of note. Now first of all I popped to the allotment after work uh, to do a bit of weeding. One of the rare evenings I actually managed to get to the allotment at the moment but we got there nonetheless. So I did a bit of weeding and I also did a bit of watering, which is what needs doing. But while I was in the greenhouse, I noticed some of my amateur tomatoes, that's the variety amateur, were ready for picking. And I've picked them and they taste delicious. There's only a couple that were there, but never mind, I quite like tomatoes. And interestingly, these tomatoes were not the dark red that you expect from tomatoes. They were more of a burnt orange colour. But they taste just as good nonetheless and they will serve us well. Now after that I came home and didn't really do much. Now this evening, it was a bit of a late finish from work so I didn't go to the allotment but when I came home I did obviously go out to my garden. Now the first thing I want to say is that the chickens are now starting to go back into the coop after the good clean out. So that paid off. Now in the garden I was just planning on doing some watering, which is what I've done, a lot of watering actually. Everything's had a good soaking. And, well, the blueberries. We picked a good load of blueberries again and it's lovely to get these tasty little fruits off the bushes. They are grown very, very well actually. The pink lemonade blueberries, I said they're not quite ready. They've got small fruits on them, which is the first time in seven years of growing this plant, it's fruited, so we're on to a winner there. But the rest of the blueberries, and I've got four plants in total, so three of the normal blueberries. They're getting handfuls of those, and they taste delicious. Now, just in front of my blueberry bushes, I've got my fig tree. Now, you may remember a few weeks ago, I said I had potted on this fig tree into a bigger pot, but more of a wooden box I had. Well, that tree is looking so much happier. And by happier, I mean it's put on more leaf growth. It's put on a lot of leaf growth. And I can see a little nodule down one of the branches. So it just goes to show that sometimes just potting on a tree or a plant does it the world of good. Now, will it fruit? That'll be another question. I can't see any signs of it and it's probably the wrong time of year we have a fig tree in my office 
uh, well, it's actually in the neighbours, but it reaches over into my office um, for work, that is. And I noticed, I was looking at that today, actually, and I noticed there's quite a few figs on that that are nearly ready for harvesting. So I'm looking forward to getting figs off my own fig tree in the future again. Well, that's it for today. A little midweek update. We've still got lots of work to do, but we are cracking our way through the days. Well, it's Friday the 12th of July 2019. Today is about nine o'clock in the evening. I'm just at home after a busy evening after work, which has been nice. On the way home from work, I managed to pop to the allotment, did a bit of weeding, but the main reason I was going there was to harvest some potatoes. Now, the variety I harvested, I believe, are my Linda potatoes, and they look absolutely lovely. I've already cooked them, so that, uh, come to that in a bit, and they taste delicious. But I can't be certain they are Linda. I was hoping to save some potatoes back to grow next year. But I planted my potatoes too close. So I can't be sure I'm not getting any potatoes from the row next door. So that's going to be a lesson learned for next year. I'm probably going to have to pot them 60 centimetres apart in terms of rows. That's two foot apart. I'll, I'll have a look around and see what I do next year. It means I have to dedicate more space to potatoes, but that's a lesson learned. I don't normally grow my potatoes in the ground. Normally I do in pots. So this has been a bit of a learning curve for me. Now I brought these potatoes home. I made a potato salad out of them. I'm making this actually because I'm off to a barbecue tomorrow. I'm looking forward to that. So I thought oh, I've got to take something that's homegrown. And potato salad seemed to fit that bill perfectly. So I took these potatoes, cooked these up, added some mayonnaise. I used a jar of mayonnaise uh, as opposed to homemade mayonnaise because there is a pregnant person there tomorrow and she cannot eat raw egg. So jarred mayonnaise instead of the proper stuff. Uh, some chopped onions and some chopped gherkins from last year's crop. All into a bowl, mixed up with the boiled potatoes actually i've tested it it tastes really nice the freshness of the potatoes is what really adds to the flavor is my belief so after that i brought my i came down to my patio with my garlic bulbs now you may remember i said i harvested my garlic bulbs uh, uh last week and i was making a little video up to show how they got on but i thought i'd give a little talk about that now and there will be a video out about it now there was six varieties of garlic that went in. Casablanca, Germador, Early Purple White, Very Early Purple White, Bohemian White and Elephant Garlic. Now the Very Early Garlic White, I lost the label so I didn't actually realise they were Very Early Garlic until I went and looked back on a video to find out what they actually were. Now the Early Purple White did come out a few weeks ago and they done really well but that was a saved bulb. The very early white and the bohemian white was brand new bulbs, brand new to me to grow. They've also done really, really well, but I've left them in the ground a bit too long that the skin has disappeared and exposed the cloves. They'll be alright, but I should have got them out a bit sooner. The Casablanca completely rotted away, and that was a saved bulb, so I was very surprised on that, because I would have thought that has tailored itself to my growing conditions. And the Germador, they were small bulbs, but... When I think back last year, there were small bulbs as well. The elephant garlic, however, the biggest bulb on that, you know, that was a good two-hander. It was huge. So really, really pleased with all that. I will be saving the largest of 
each variety to plant again in September. But for now, they are just drying in the greenhouse and uh, waiting to be used. I'm not going to bother platting these this year. I'm just going to dry them and stick them in the bakery ready for use. Well, that's it for today. As I said, it's been a Friday evening, but it's been a, a nice busy one doing things in the garden and on the allotment. Well, today is Sunday the 14th of July 2019. I'm just in the potting shed at the moment. Got the chickens around me doing their own little thing. And there is Bunny making a bit of a noise. Now, I've had a bit of a tidy up in this shed today. It's been one of these areas. I don't get in that much. And as such, when I don't get in here much, I tend to just throw stuff in and forget about it. Well... It got to the point today I've decided just to have a bit of a tidy up and then clear out and get rid of what I can. Let's just give the chickens some corn and that's got them outside. Let's start again. Well today is well today is the 14th of July 2019. It's a Sunday and usually the day I go on the allotment. At the moment I'm just in the potting shed and I've had a bit of a tidy up in here today. Partly because I'm not in here all that much at the moment, so I tend to just throw stuff in and forget about it, which is very bad of me. But gotta, well, it's what happens, isn't it? I'm sure everyone's guilty of this. You can probably hear Bunny squeaking in the background. Bless him. He's a bit lonely, I think. I've got to get him a female. Now, today, usually I would go down the allotment, but I didn't today. Instead, I was out this morning doing some other work. I came home and I decided I was going to do a bit of work in the garden. Bit of a tidy up. Now it's not exactly messy, but I just feel it's it needs a bit of tidying up around the edges and, and what have you. So I did a bit of that. During the week, I bought some round fence posts. And these are probably best described as what you would use for tree stakes. But they are fence posts. And I bought these because at the very front of what I call the vegetable patch area, I've placed some wooden um, rectangles that I've lined with wire mesh to create the border and keep the chickens in. But it was a bit rough and ready. I, I, I built them purposely to be uh, an experiment, make sure that's exactly where I wanted the boundary. And I'm happy with it. It's served me well over the last few years. So I've decided it's time to put something permanent in. So I hammered these stakes in the ground about a metre and a half apart running along. Now at the moment, that's all I've done is hammer them into the ground. Eventually I will put some chicken wire up and that should act as the little fence. And just make things look a little bit nicer, a little bit tidier. That's the hope anyway. Now because I'm on clay soil, hammering stakes into the ground takes a lot of work and a lot of effort so that has been pretty much what I've done today apart from better tidying up and cleaning the chickens out it's been hammering these stakes in the ground there's only four of them that have gone in but if you've ever used a sledgehammer it's a lot of work trying to do that and then as I said I came in this shed and had to tidy up and yeah that's it really for today Busy, busy, but when I talk out about it out loud like that, it doesn't sound all that busy.
Well, it's Monday the 15th of July 2019 today. Now, because I've got the day off from work today, I've spent a bit of time this morning just in the garden, um, watering, checking over plants. Nothing to really shout home about, but it's interesting how well things are growing. I've got courgettes that are doing well. In fact, I can see probably one of my first courgettes just coming into fruit. But there's lots of flowers on them. The lettuce, the Lola Rosa, which are the crinkly type lettuce, they are growing well. Leeks are doing well, they're getting nice and big, as is the kale. Although, the chickens are finding a way to chew the top of them just by standing on the wire mesh. I never said keeping chickens and vegetables was perfect. Now I did want to go down the allotment again today but that's not going to happen because I've got to get off to see Sarah and I'm really looking forward to seeing Sarah. But you'll hear about that throughout this podcast. What I do have to mention is the weekly harvest report that came out last night. That was a good week. Because of the garlic it really boosted the numbers up nice and high. And we had garlic, we had a soft fruit as always, as well as many other vegetables including potatoes. We are nearly at the £400 mark in, in terms of value for the year, so really, really pleased with how much we are producing. I've got a feeling that over the next few weeks this number is really going to shoot up. And I reckon, and this is going to be my aim, to get to the £1,000 mark by the end of the year. That's my goal and aim. Now I spoke about this a lot last week, so I don't really want to go on too much about it but yes so that is it for the diary section for this week this week's tip from the rhs plant grow harvest calendar is hoe between vegetables during dry weather to tackle weeds doing it while the ground is wet can give them the chance to re-root And it's certainly dry at the moment, so uh, that's very good advice, I think. I tend to try and hoe in the morning and then water in the evening. That's a plan. It doesn't always work that way, does it? As we all know. So Sarah's here today and she's going to be talking about vegan gardening in just a moment. But before that, I want to find out a bit about Sarah's background. So where did your gardening career start? Um, Well, it started in my early 30s. Um, I left a job in London um, and I wanted to retrain, but I didn't know what in. And my partner at the time said to me, well, you like gardening, why don't you try that? So I did. I started doing my RHS qualifications whilst I was still at work and I did those distance learning. And then I moved down to Sussex and got a few volunteer jobs, places like the National Trust, Great Dixter. Then I started taking on my own maintenance work and then it kind of snowballed from there. Started up with the design, uh, got a shop with my partner, selling plants um, and now podcasting about horticulture. So, yeah. Now, what got you into podcasting? Well, uh, I am quite a big podcast fan um, and I used to, when I was doing maintenance work, listen to them for about eight hours solid every day. (laughs) And there were some gardening ones that I was trying to listen to to learn Um, and there were a couple of good ones, but on the whole I thought they were crap. So I I thought, "Mm, if I can't do it better as a host, I know I can get better guests and, and better topics and so that's what spurred me on really. 
Yes, and, and, and Roots and All is your podcast. I've been listening since pretty much episode one and really enjoy it. It's got a very raw, very natural feeling about it and you are sharing what you do instead of telling others what they should do, which is what I like. And I think gardening on a whole should be about what people do instead of what people tell people to do. Yeah, I do agree. Um, I try not to talk about anything unless I've actually done it. And and if I don't know what I'm talking about, then I will go and find somebody who knows exactly what they're talking about. So for me, there are a lot of people in the gardening world and the gardening media who will talk about a whole range of topics. And that's fair enough. That's their job. They have to be seen as experts. But most of the time, I feel like they're not coming at it from first-hand experience. Mm -hmm. And that's that's invaluable you i don't think you can speak with authority about something unless you've actually done it so that was the yeah that was the thought behind it definitely yes i totally agree and i've also listening to your podcast you've had some really fantastic guests and really have brought a lot to the table and i've learned a lot about it which is why we're going to talk about vegan gardening in a bit what does the future of your podcast have in line do you know I've got absolutely no idea from one week to the next. I think I've got two more episodes in the bag and then after that I've I've got nothing. So it is literally kind of that's the beauty of not being tied down to any broadcast uh, you know channel or anything that I can see something that interests me you know one day and I can get straight on the phone to the person who said it or to the people who I think can talk about it and I can record it there and then um so it's it's lovely I can kind of react really quickly to to topics of interest yes and that definitely comes across well should we talk about vegan gardening now well here we are in Sarah's garden where we're recording today's podcast We've got a couple of dogs in the background, so you might hear panting and snarling going on. But it's all good fun. There's also a lot of birds, a lot of wildlife, and some beautiful borders in this garden. But you want to talk about vegan gardening. Now, I guess the best place to start is what is veganism okay uh, well veganism is basically not using or eating any animal products whatsoever so you know no no meat no dairy nothing that's been tested on animals it, even down to you know for me i find it quite limiting i like to play with craft things but i can't buy seashells and i can't buy feathers because i you know they're not going to have been picked up off the ground uh, they have been farmed for for those you know kind of shells and feathers so yeah everything really you have to think about about what you're you're buying and using to down to the last you know everything everything you've got to kind of consider is it more the industrial use of animals so if let's say you found some feathers from a bird that has naturally shed them are you able to use those or Yes, I am. Um, and I've, my upcoming podcast is featuring Dave Goulson. And I did actually, he, he doesn't eat a lot of meat that's been produced or farmed, um, but he will eat roadkill. And to be honest with you, I wouldn't eat roadkill because I don't fancy it, but I'm not averse to it if someone wants to do that because the animal's died and, you know, it's going to be used. Um, so I genuinely was keeping an eye out for him on the drive over to him to see if there was any roadkill. And, and if there had been, I would have picked it up. But as I said to, to Dave, and I cut it out the interview actually, the only thing I found that looked fresh was a rat and I didn't think he'd appreciate that. So so I'm not squeamish and, I you know, I know there's a place for, for me eating, but personally, I you know, I just choose not to. Right, okay, so that, that's getting my kind of understanding. I, I guess there's different levels of veganism and different understanding, but that's your, your beliefs, your perception of it. Now, 
Vegan gardening. Isn't gardening just naturally vegan? Well, you'd think so, wouldn't you? <laughs> um, but I suddenly realised um, I, I had kind of had a period a while back where I considered what I was doing and I actually either handed my notice in at jobs or I didn't take them on. And that was because I realised that my beliefs were really strong and I was having to compromise those beliefs in a lot of the places where I was working because I won't kill anything and I never have done and people used to laugh at me because when we were digging holes for example I would step in and get the worms out of the way mm-hmm. um, you know or I'd say to someone oh, oh you know there's a, there's a snail down there on the path you know don't can you can you just avoid it I've done that with groups of people when we've been walking around Kew Gardens groups of students at the London College of Garden Design and everyone falls about laughing but you know it, for me I genuinely don't want to cause any harm Harm where I don't have to um, so yes I, I kind of I suppose I took you know the vegan standards for me are very important to gardening and generally we are vegan in the garden however I, you can't really say you're a vegan gardener if you're then putting down slug pellets or you're going out some people have got the in the habit of they'll go out at night and they'll like cut slugs in half because they don't want them on their dahlias you know or if you're using any sort of insecticides you're not vegan if you're using any animal products in the garden you're you're not gardening vegan so I was pretty much doing it anyway there were a few things that came as a surprise such as the compost and things um but I've tried to you know eliminate any basically the killing of animals in any way um so that's yeah I was I was probably a vegan gardener but for me yes Although, on the face of it, gardening looks vegan, it, it's probably... There are probably hidden ways that animals are being harmed, so... Right, sure. Now, you mentioned slug pellets, and now I accidentally just seem to have hedgehogs in my garden, which and wild birds, which eat the slugs and snails. To me, that's a natural predator, but is that against veganism? Oh, no, no. Really? I mean, nature is like red in tooth and claw, and there's nothing you can do about that. Um, right. You know, it's really hard... There's been instances, you know, where I've probably come across, I don't know, again, this sounds utterly ridiculous, but if I see a spider and it's got a fly in the web and the fly has still got a chance of getting, you know, it's literally just flown in, I might nudge it off the web. But if it's in the spider's clutches, the spider's got to eat and, you know, you can't do anything about that and you might not want to witness it and you might not want to see the sparrowhawk in your garden killing, you know, the little songbirds, but it happens and that's how they eat. The only difference with me and and I suppose the rest of humans is, you know, you could argue that we don't need to do that to eat (laughs) in this day and age. Um, So, yeah, that's the difference. Right, okay, that that kind of (laughs) clarifies a lot more for me because I don't use slug slug pellets, sorry. I don't actively go out hunting slugs or snails or kill them or anything. But I don't have any troubles with them because of the hedgehogs and the, the wildlife. So I feel better knowing I'm not going to get told off by you for that now. <laughs> now, what what you've mentioned as well, and I found this really fascinating when we were listening to your podcast, was the fact that composts may not be vegan. And that at first I didn't quite get it. Then I suddenly realised, well, horse manure might be in them and animal manure. All of a sudden it clicked. And are there any other things like that that seem really odd for veganism yeah loads i think um i i mean i spoke to matthew appleby and he is dead against using horse manure wherever it comes from um you know and i asked the question i think well what happens if it comes from your local rescue sanctuary can you use it then and i would Uh probably but strict vegans would not 
So there, like you say, there are levels of veganism and there's mm-hmm. levels of kind of, you know, how, how, for want of a better word, militant you want to be about it. Some people are very judgy and they'll just say, no, 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 you know, I don't. And lots of vegans will garden using compost. And actually, I've pointed it out in a couple of vegan groups on Facebook and got really told off for it because they didn't want to hear it. They didn't want to know that what they were doing was not vegan. So right. it kind of is horses for courses and it, it's what fits in with your lifestyle and, and what suits you and, and where you draw the line, you know, it's, it's like... Like, should I bin all my leather handbags? Because I was a massive leather handbag fan and I don't buy them now, but I've still got them. Right. Um, but I'm not going to throw them away because, you know, there's no point in binning something that I bought and it's dead anyway. So with the composts, it's a weird one because manure, as I say, if it came from your local horse rescue sanctuary in my opinion it would be fine although you have to worry about the um the weed killer issue that that doesn't break down and can harm your plants um but for example i went to a trade show and they were talking about a compost that they had which was based on turkey manure so that's come from a turkey farm in the u.s so obviously i don't want to be seen to be supporting that industry same thing with bloodfish and bone although it is a product of you know of slaughterhouses it's i don't want to subsidize their output by buying something that's got that in it so yeah again there's no perfect world and there's no perfect answers but if i can avoid them then i will well, that makes, uh, again, that's clearing up a lot of things. That it, it does sound stupid saying compost isn't vegan, but then it does make sense. And, and that really got me thinking about what else isn't vegan and, I guess, pesticides and insecticides. Now, if there's somebody out there who's listening and says, I'm not a vegan, but I might take steps towards vegan gardening, what's the first step you would recommend they do? Well, I think it's a tough one. And again, I'm not judging anyone. If you've got stuff in your garden that, you know, you want to protect, you you might grow lilies and you might take great pleasure in squishing lily beetles. I know a lot of people do. I mean, for me, I don't grow lilies because Mm -hmm. it's a no-brainer. I'm going to have to kill lily beetles. They're going to turn up. It's just I'm not going to put myself in that position. And my plants aren't worth, you know... the the lives of the insects in my opinion um but if people kind of i'd just say try and get a balance in your garden so that you're not having to use those products as much as possible as you said you get your hedgehogs coming in your birds so the more you can try and just be a bit more relaxed about the state of your plants and you know and accept a few losses i think that's probably the most important thing because then you will automatically need to use less um, pesticides and you will automatically improve your volumes of wildlife in your garden which will lead to a better balanced system and will lead to you interfering less Um, so yeah i think it's just trying to get a a nice ecosystem established and and trying to get it to work for you because at the end of the day that's going to save you money and time as well so Mm. you know i think that's the best way yes absolutely and it's it's certainly got me thinking i mean i I don't claim to be vegan at all i'm not even vegetarian (laughs) and i'm i'm being honest that doesn't mean i don't respect people's choices and the 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 fact that something like compost and gloves and shoes are not necessarily always vegan i do feel there should be that option for those who do want to be vegan and i guess the more people are buying these things the more the manufacturers are going to pay this attention, they're going to listen and they're going to produce it more. Have you been in talks with any of the manufacturers about these sort of things? Or I did draw a complete blank trying to find decent gardening boots to the point where I didn't buy any last year and I was wearing boots with broken laces and they were falling off my feet, my winter boots, because I refused to buy any new ones 
because there just weren't any options. I mean, some of the companies I spoke to, they were looking into it. And the problem, they couldn't say the boots were fully vegan because the problem was the glue and the adhesive. And they couldn't say that for a guaranteed fact that it wasn't using animal products. But they were trying, you know, that there were good companies out there trying. And some of the companies I found, and they were like, vegan? I don't even know what that means, you know, and they were completely just didn't have a clue um so you know all we can do really is ask the questions i'm not working with anyone specific um you know i just try and buy sensibly and and according to my values where i can and as you say you know more people are kind of coming around to the idea that we don't need to use animal products for everything but then you know what do you replace them with probably something that's really unenvironmentally friendly so there is no as i say no perfect world there's no perfect answer you know, we just have to kind of do the best we can and, and live the life that we feel is, you know, the right one for us. So I don't, you know, I don't mind if someone came around for dinner and they said, look, I really think your vegan food is horrendous. You know, I want a beef lasagna. I'd probably cook it for them. You know, I don't, I don't have, although I wouldn't particularly be pleased about buying it mm-hmm. because I'd be supporting the industry. I'm not that I'm really not that judgmental, you know. Yeah. People kind of say to me quite apologetically, "Oh God, well, we only eat chicken on a Tuesday," and I say, "Well, I don't mind. I don't yeah. care. You know, it's fine. It's you do you. I, d- I don't mind what you eat. It's not my business. It's fine, um, you know. But if you want to have the option to reduce the kind of amount of animal products you use, here's what you can do. So that you know, that's all I'm doing is kind of offering options. I'm not hardcore. Like yeah. um, if you listen to Cleve West, I'm doing a talk with him in September. If you listen to him or go to one of his talks you will get you know you'll be in tears by the end of it because the stuff that he'll show you and the stuff he talks about and the facts and figures are actually horrific but I'm kind of I suppose a bit more a bit more you know laid back and, and less uh, less graphic <laughs> with my stuff a bit more approachable is a word I like to use <laughs> uh, I think the trouble with these militant vegans and going slightly off topic here is because they're so militant, they get people's backs up and that pots them off it straight away. I like your approach of saying that this is what I do. You don't have to do it, but this is what I do and this is why it works. And I think demonstrating that to listeners and others out there gets people's attention better than shouting and screaming about it. It does. And I thought that too. And I thought really the way to go about it is to try and be diplomatic and not bash people over the head. But then I listened to Cleve speak and he said that he was vegetarian for a long time and he wasn't you know, properly vegan. And then he went vegan and he went to slaughterhouse vigils and everything. And he suddenly realised to, to himself that he needed to be absolutely the time was over for him to be nice and you know and kind about it he realized that for him the right thing to do is to actually stand up and scream and shout and say look what these animals are going through look what you're doing to them and he's good he's got a place for people like me a couple of years ago if you know when I was vegetarian he would have tipped me into veganism so if I'm already on that path then I think he's great because yeah. he just goes, do you know what? Stop making excuses. You don't need cheese that much. You know, just get over it and go vegan. So he's good for people like that. But like you say, if you're a meat eater and I come at you and start screaming and shouting and showing you pictures of like cows with their throats cut or whatever, you're going to go Ugh, like immediately on the defensive and, and rightly so. So uh, yeah, it's horses for courses. I think there's a place for every line. Yeah. Now you've recently challenged a uh, RHS and a shopping channel about something on Twitter which was very, very successful. So I'm really proud of what you've done there. Do you want to talk a little about that? 
<laughs> well, uh, yeah, you you could probably go to my Twitter feed and see the videos that I put up of this particular um, section on the shopping channel. And it was Ideal World, and they were promoting an RHS weed killer. Um, and I, I didn't know at the time what the weed killer actually contained, but I think it was a kind of an acidic thing sort of like a, a industrial strength vinegar type solution right. um from what i can tell although you can't work it out from going on the website and looking at the packaging so it was the it was the way they were selling it so the guy who was speaking was an absolute tool and he kept saying oh you know i kill all the weeds in my garden and the weeds that he was showing were wildflowers which probably all weeds are to be fair but you know things that you could quite happily leave alone and they wouldn't hurt um you know like things like clover and we all know how good they are for bees and stuff but he was suggesting you know oh no i get rid of them and the other guy says at one point he actually said in the video um i love killing weeds with the rh i, I love killing things with the rhs which i thought was brilliant and he was wearing an rhs t-shirt and it was all endorsed and you know and they were just talking absolute rubbish and he said at one point oh the best time to spray weed killer is in the evening when it's humid and i thought i don't i'm sure that's not the best time and the most effective time to spray weed killer it's probably on a dry day when it's sunny and things are actively growing and it's going to get absorbed you know quicker into the leaves and stuff but anyway I thought, oh, you know, you, you're just a pair of clowns. You don't know what you're talking about. And the RHS have obviously given you money to do this. So I was quite horrified. So I just put the videos up on my Twitter feeds and then kind of various people retweeted it. And, and, and actually hundreds of people just said, oh, my God, what are you doing, RHS? This is disgusting. You know, this is really, really bad. And to their credit, I phoned them on the Monday morning, the RHS, and I said, look, you know, you've got a bit of a... PR storm going on over on Twitter I think you might want to look into it and they um, actually tweeted me they didn't phone me back but they tweeted and said oh um, thank you no I don't even think they said thank you for highlighting they just said oh you know we've looked into this and we've now pulled this project product from this channel and they won't be advertising for us so good because it was irresponsible I mean I don't have a problem with the product it was just the manner in which they were selling it and they were giving out absolute crap information so yeah, yeah it was a win sure now you've mentioned to me you're not very good at growing vegetables even though you're a very good gardener which I, I find interesting. What, what makes you feel you're not a good vegetable gardener? Because I don't like killing things. And to be honest, I don't like netting things. Uh, and I'm just really laid back and I let everything get on with it. And I don't think you can do that with vegetable gardening. There's very few things I can grow where I don't have to interfere in some way. So I'm more up spinach and kale and all that sort of stuff. But if it comes down to, oh, I don't know, like strawberries or, or soft fruit or anything like that where I have to exclude things from eating it i'm hopeless i'm absolutely hopeless um and i don't enjoy it and um i know i need to get better at it um it's definitely something that i need to start finding a way to i need to start producing it uh-huh. in a way that works for me because otherwise that's why i don't talk about it on the podcast particularly right. i get other people to talk about it because as i say i've not mastered the art of vegan gardening for veg yet but i will have an opportunity coming up soon where i can do that and uh I fully intend to start growing veg, so I might give you a shout. Now, I find that interesting you say netting things. I mean, I don't net most of my stuff, unless they're the brassicas when they're young. And I know why you have a problem with netting. So, but for the listener at home, what is the problem with netting saying? Um, I did get into a very big argument, uh, which eventually lead, led to me uh, kind of leaving a job, uh, where they'd put up some saggy netting and a, a robin had got caught in it and uh-huh. died and we yeah. found him hanging upside down by his leg and I found grass snakes in there uh-huh. and all sorts of creatures stuck in it so um, the only way to do it in my opinion is to make sure it's properly secured yeah. 
on you know at, at every last point and even then I think things can get caught up in it so yeah I'm not a big fan of it just from the carnage that I've seen yeah yeah. I mean, I, I only net my young brassicas, my fruits, I don't worry about, but I use a very narrow gauge. It's unlikely, and I've never had anything get caught on it, but my neighbours have, and I've had to cut their net enough to rescue a bird and grass snakes and that sort of thing. So I, it does happen, and I totally see what your, your point there is made. What about keeping chickens? How does that float with your vegan garden? Well, I mean, again, I didn't have a problem with this, and so every... every day i'm limiting myself more and more i thought if you got ex battery hens and they would lay for you and you know you were kind of rescuing them from death at the end of it then all fine didn't have a problem with it i mean i wouldn't do it because i don't want the responsibility of looking after chickens because i you know i'd worry about the foxes and all the rest of it Mm -hmm. but then my friend who owns an animal sanctuary told me and i don't know how true this is i've not had it verified but he did say to me that now when the battery hen rescue people go to get the chickens from the farmers, the farmers are saying, oh, well, you know, it costs us money to, to do this or to do something or other. So they're actually charging the rescue places a five or a bird, which is, again, subsidising that industry. And it's because they're, they're making money off selling the, the battery hens. They're also not having to pay to get rid of them. So they're kind of win-win-win because they've also exploited them for their eggs. So I think if you're supporting that industry, although you're probably doing it with the best intentions, it's not actually working out that well. So I would be very wary of that as well now. Right. Um, Yeah. Anything that kind of gives farmers, like people who are, are kind of farming birds, an easy ride and also makes them money... I can't, I can't get behind it at all. Yeah, yeah, it's a tricky one. <laughs> I'm just thinking. I don't have any ex batteries, but mine did come from a farm that produces chickens to be sold for domestic keepers. Mm. I feel a bit guilty now saying oh. that, but <laughs> <laughs> but I, I will say I love my birds, and they are pets. They're not there for feed. They, yes, they give us eggs, and they provide us very, really well with eggs. They are locked up in their coop all day, but that's because I'm not there. And like you said, the foxes and things, cats as well will have them. Well, I think we, we, we've gone over this topic enough now. So if anybody at home wants to learn more about vegan gardening and, and yourself and what you do, where do they find you? Uh, they can email me at podcast at rootsandall.co.uk or I'm on all the social medias. Um, I think the only one that's not roots and all is Instagram, which is roots and all pod. Um, yeah, or go to my website, www.rootsandall.co.uk. Fantastic. Thank you very much. Well, that's it for today. Thank you very much for listening. And thank you very much, Sarah, for being on the show. I've got to say, I absolutely love your garden. I'm sitting here and it's, you've met my wife before. She would love this garden as well. How, how much work have you put into this? It, this garden has only been here a year. Yet it's full of, I mean, I'm assuming most of these are wildflowers by the looks of it. Purples and blues and pinks and I was a pear tree over there. That's lovely. Well, anyway, thank you very much for having me today. You're welcome. It's been nice to have you. Everyone at home, please take care and I'll speak to you again next time.